Thank you guys for coming on out. I see some guys from uh, uh, the uh, Married with No Children ranks, and uh, wow. glad to have you here. You know, you're getting ahead of the uh, the curve there a little bit, perhaps, and learning some things about parenting. Uh, a few people from Central Cities and uh, the Latinos and that's great. Uh, uh, you know, I, I must apologize. I did not even think about the idea of inviting everybody to come. This was just a San Gabriel Valley thing. And then when I showed the guys in the pre-service meeting this morning the invitations, they said, well, well, why aren't you inviting everybody else? Uh, and, well, I actually felt a little bad about it. I, I said, well, I didn't mean to be excluding anybody. I just uh, I didn't think of it. I, I was thinking of it more from the vantage point of the, the San Gabriel Valley. But uh, we're just delighted that you guys are here, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll enjoy the class as well. Here's how we're going to do the, the uh, Ed reading thing. I thought about maybe buying the books and, and that kind of thing, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to recommend these two books. These are the two books, sort of the uh, outside books other than the Bible, that I've read uh, in preparation here. And uh, I've divided them a little bit into younger kids and older kids. And I don't know definitely where the line is. When does a kid, a kid go from younger to older? I don't know. Uh, but certainly during the teen years. So here are the two classes. For the younger children, First Time Dad is the name of the book by John Fuller, F-U-L-L-E-R. And that's for younger children. It's a really easy read, uh, but I thought it was a very good book, uh, personally. And then for the, the teenage or you know preteen, the teenage age children, the older children, the Seven Cries of Today's Teens. And uh, you've read that? Okay, there you go. And it's by Timothy Smith. Timothy Smith. And, and basically what he does, which is pretty interesting, is he talks about what they call the millennials. Uh, the children of the day, you know, uh, my age group would be called the uh, the baby boomers. I'm at sort of the end of the baby boomers. And then you had, what, you had Generation X and then Generation Y and then maybe the the, the, the new generation or, what, uh, you know, whatever. But anyway, he, he examines sort of the millennials and some of the things about them. And so that's very interesting. Now, here's how the normal class session will go. Okay. One o'clock, we'll have a prayer. Uh, I'll select one of you guys each time to pray, and the prayer is going to be specifically by that dad for his children. Okay? And for, for instance, today I've asked Emmerich, and so uh, Emmerich's going to come up in a few minutes when we get our class started, and his prayer is going to be, you know, maybe a, just a generic prayer in one sense at the very beginning. But, but then he, he's going to pray specifically for his children, by name. Okay? And I'll select different ones of you. We have six different classes. Obviously, everybody won't get a chance uh, to pray in that way. But uh, the idea is just to focus it very much from a dad to a, a, a child's point of view uh, in our opening prayer. Then we'll have a little bit of sharing uh, in, in a normal kind of time, about five minutes sharing. You'll have the lesson that I'm going to give. And then we'll divide up into... Uh, little sort of discussion groups uh, solely based upon where you're seated. And uh, I'm going to have, I've already asked most of these guys, uh, but uh, I'm going to have Chris Nakayishi, Dave Lim, uh, Tony Tan, and uh, Caesar. I didn't get to you. Where's Caesar? Caesar. And, and we'll have Caesar. And, and you're going to sort of 
circle up, you know, and, and it's not a D group in particular, or not your normal D group, but it's just a, a little bit of a discussion on the things that we talked about that particular time, okay? As you can see, there'll be six different classes uh, every two weeks. It'll be two in February, two in uh, March, and two in April. Is that right? I, I think yeah. it is. Uh, and so, you know, they're, they're not necessarily sequential. In other words, if you bring a visitor to the next class, you don't have to think, oh, he didn't hear the first one. Uh, it won't fit. It'll fit. I mean, you know, each class can stand on its own. Uh, there certainly is a sense of, you know, if you get all of them, that, that things will sort of fall together, uh, if, if you know what I mean. <coughs> and then we'll be done at the end of those groups. Uh, there'll be a little prayer at the end of those groups, and we'll be done by 2 o'clock. Okay? Okay, Emmerich, come on up and lead us in prayer. Uh, great to be here. Emmerich Buenas, I have two children. Uh, Alyssa, who's seven, she's actually back here. And then Christopher, who uh, just turned nine. And he, yeah, he's back there too. He just turned nine as well. And uh, those are my kids. So. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much just uh, for the opportunity to be in this class, to know that uh, uh, these are men who want to guide their families, who want to uh, just draw strength and encouragement, not only from one another, but from you especially. I pray that you be with our class, uh, encourage us, God, and uh, just thank you that you allow us to be the dads of our children. God, I want to thank you so much for my son Christopher. Father, just such a joy in my life. I pray that you be with him. Uh, that uh, I can uh, train him to be a man, uh, a, a one who, who will learn to love you and uh, just be confident in what he does. Uh, he's already confident as he is, but I, I pray that, he, that, that you would help me and instruct him in, in the things that you want me specifically to guide him to be a, a, a powerful, encouraging, loving young man so that he too can uh, encourage and, and guide his family. I pray that you be with my daughter Alyssa. Such a joy, Father. She loves you so much with just... That your nature and just uh, sees things in such a different light. I, I pray that I can uh, cover her with affection and love just as you've done with my heart uh, over all these years. God, help me to grow in that. Help me to understand little girls, Father. So, sometimes I just feel so disconnected, but I pray that you be uh, with her. Just guide her and encourage her and, and just help, help her to be a confident a uh, young woman that, that will love you as well. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, guys. A little time to share. Here's the very beginning. What are you hoping to learn in our class sessions? Great. I guess to learn how to be prideful and get more advice and understand people, understand that there's a lot of wisdom in here. Just, you know, be a better father. Okay. Just draw on wisdom and uh, learn to be a better father. Uh, other hand. Yes, sir. How not to blow it by shouting a lot. Okay. <laughs> How not to, to get angry or, or to shout uh, too much. Uh, if you need extra chairs, you can come up here and get them. Or you guys, there are some open chairs throughout. So, Vince. Just want to help my daughter's both to make the right decisions. Okay, help the, help your daughters to make good decisions. Yes, sir. Okay, uh, since we're not supposed to exasperate our children, to know when we are. Uh, so that's a good one. Yeah. 
Okay, how to help them to grow up and be good decision makers themselves. Yeah, Rick? <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes you got to have very practical uh, goals just to keep them off the keep them off the post office wall, Lord. Uh, that that would be it. Wait, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, Ronnie. To keep my kids faithful. Okay, to keep my kids faithful and growing spiritually. Yeah, Dave. I think just uh, learning to persevere as a dad and um, encouraging one another. Okay. Well, hopefully we will have a great class session. We'll study uh, the Bible, obviously, uh, along the topic of parenting. Uh, those books that, you, that I recommended, uh, I think you'll enjoy them. They give a lot of good uh, ideas. Like any book, they're not perfect. Uh, but they, they do give a lot of good thoughts, and, and hopefully you'll enjoy them. Let me give you some shocking statistics here. And this is on the idea of fatherless, Okay. The U.S., the United States, is the world's leader in fatherless homes. That's shocking. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 75% of teens and drug rehab are from fatherless homes. A child is five times more likely to commit suicide if they come from a home where there's no father. Thirty-two times more likely to run away from home. Twenty times more likely to have behavioral disorders. 14 times more likely to commit rape. Nine times more likely to drop out of school. Ten times more likely to abuse chemical substances. Nine times more likely to end up in a state-operated institution. Twenty times more likely to end up in prison. Those statistics are overwhelming. Of, of, of really coming to grips and understanding how much children need fathers in their life. <clears throat> Yet we live in a society that constantly diminishes the role of the father. Yes. We live in a time where the news organizations, the entertainment organizations, seem bent to send out the message that it doesn't make any difference whether dad is there or not, you can have a happy, healthy, awesome home. Now, that's not to say that anyone or everyone that's raised in a circumstance uh, where there isn't a father is doomed to be uh, a a deviant or anything of the sort. But statistics speak for themselves. Dad is needed in people's lives. The father role, the father figure, the father responsibilities are huge in the development of every single child. And we as the people of God should have absolutely granite in our, in our foundation of saying, I need to be the kind of dad God wants me to be. This is super serious. I read this quote. It's hard to be a good man. It's harder to be a good husband. Hardest yet to be a good dad. 
Many people, as fathers, are confused. They have no idea what they are trying to do. It is eminently easier to produce a child than to raise a child. And we, we, are, we are in a time where people enjoy making children but have no intention whatsoever of actually being a parent to that child. People are afraid. <coughs> They're afraid to be dads. They were maybe raised by people, uh, parents that, that had divorced. They, they don't really have an understanding of what it means to be dad. They watch television and unfortunately the predominant influences are family guy and that other knucklehead, what's his name? Homer Simpson. Of, of, of dads. Dads oftentimes are the brunt of the joke. Everybody gets it. The kids are brilliant. Mom is really smart. And dad is an incompetent boob <coughs> that gets nothing. It's, it's so sad. And it's so desperately wrong. Oftentimes... Men, I frankly, they, they've just resigned. They've just quit. They say, well, it, it's, the, it's the woman's job, it's the mom's job to raise the kids. The Bible is completely against that idea. They have no idea where to start. And hopefully that's where we can start in our class today. The foundation has got to be laid in our understanding of what it means to be a good dad. Point number one. We need a foundation of basic fundamentals. In anything in life, if you do not have the fundamentals down, you're, you're going to be in big trouble. And the truth of the matter is, no matter how... <coughs> how expertise a particular thing becomes, if your fundamentals are not good, it's going to show up down the road. Who's going to win the ball game this afternoon? The team that blocks and tackles the best. Not the team that has the most uh, plays in the playbook. It's the team that, that masters the fundamentals that will win the game this afternoon. And it's the dad that understands fundamentals that's going to be a good dad. So we've got to have some basic ideas of fundamentals. Let me give you three fundamentals. <coughs> These are the fundamentals, guys. This is pitching. This is catching. This is blocking. This is tackling. This is addition, subtraction, division, multiplication. If you don't have the foundation of what it means to be a good dad, you're certainly you're grasping at everything and, and, and you have no idea where to go. The fundamentals here have to be down. Number one fundamental. Our children are a blessing. Come on. Come on down. Amen. Psalm 127. Our children are a blessing. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. He grants sleep to those He loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children are a reward from Him. 
Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies at the gate. Do you get that in verse 3? Sons are a heritage from the Lord. Children a reward from Him. Children need to be loved. They are a blessing from God. Now you can understand how, if, if, you're a, if you're a parent that basically looks at your kids as a pain in the neck, it's going to translate into how everything comes out in your idea of parenting. But if, you're, if, you, if your foundation is, this child is God's child that He has given me to raise, to train, to love, to nurture... It's fun, fundamental. Amen. It's how you look at your kids. It couldn't be any more fundamentally sound that our children need to be loved. They are a blessing. They are from the Lord. They need to be highly esteemed. You need to look at your children and be in awe. What an awesome kid! Oftentimes, we become way too able to point out the things about our children that are not perfect. Listen, the world constantly is telling our children what's not right with them. The home needs to be a place where we we admire them and we love them and we adore them and we understand all the, the, the mystery that we can understand of how God gave us this life to influence. This is fundamental. It's as fundamental as it can be. As a dad, you need to look at your son, you need to look at your daughter, and just say, man, this is just awesome. I can't believe i got a kid like this. In spite of all their weaknesses, and all their sins, and all their problems, we've got to look at our children. We need to communicate that to our children. Our children need to hear nothing more from us than they need to hear from us, I'm proud of you. Whether they're 5 years old, 15 years old, or 25 years old. My children are 26 and 25 years old. Nothing affects them any more than me sending them a text saying, I'm proud of you. It's fundamental. Genesis 33 In verse 5, great passage about how we should look at our children. Genesis 33 and verse 5. Verse 4, beginning, says, But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you? So Esau sees all the kids that Jacob has. And Jacob answered, These are the children God has graciously graciously given your servant. That's how Jacob looked at his kids. These are the, the, the kids that God has graciously given me. It's a perspective. It's fundamental of how we look at our children. How did Jesus look at children? Look over to Matthew 19. Thank you, Tony. How did Jesus look at children? Matthew 19. 
We know this passage, I'll bet some of you already. You've already guessed where I'm going, haven't you? Matthew 19:14, beginning of verse 13. Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Bottom line is, Jesus liked kids. And if the Lord liked kids, obviously, we need to like them too. Now, these aren't his kids in the sense of his children, but it shows his attitude or his demeanor about children. He loved the kids. All the more if they're your kids, right? I mean, we should just have this fundamental thing about our parenting and how we look at our children is that I'm, I'm, I'm wild about my kids. They are a blessing from God. Fundamental number two. Parents are to mold, teach, and train their children. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Train a child. Teach a child. Influence a child. Mold them. In the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Someone already uh, made reference to this in the sharing. Ephesians 6, and verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Now that's the negative. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, we can spend a lot of time on the negative there and say, don't do this. But it also says that we should do this. That we are to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Guys, your children are not supposed to be training you. Your children are not supposed to be teaching you. Your children are not supposed to be setting the rules of of acceptable behavior in your home. You are supposed to. Parenting is not something that happens by accident. Parenting is something that happens by design. There's something that you are intending to do with your children. It is very popular today in our world, in, in, in many realms of, of people dealing with particularly young children, is that, well, no, 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 you, you, you can't teach the child to get up at a certain time and, 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 and eat at a certain time. You have to basically do whatever they want to do. No. 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 You start out like that when they're young, they're going to be running your life by the time they're five. It is for you to train and to teach and to mold and to shape the child, not the other way around. Parenting is, a, is something that you are specifically trying to, to do something with this child. 
It is not okay for certain behaviors to go on in your home. For instance, you have someone arrive at your household, uh, a neighbor, a friend, uh, a parent, a family member, whatever, and, and your kid is, is, is doing whatever they're doing at that time. They're watching television, they're playing or whatever, and, and some other uh, uh, person arrives at your house and they just sit there and, you know, huh? Huh? you know, turn around and grunt. There's proper behavior. There's things you're teaching your child. When someone arrives at your home, I don't care whether you're watching television or not. I don't care if it's that commercial break or not. Someone arrives at our home. You get up, you go over there, you greet them to the degree that you can or should. You engage them in whatever kind of social activity goes on. I mean, the bottom line is they really don't want to talk to you all that long anyway. They didn't probably come to the house to see you. But who's training who? Are the kids training the parents to accept their behavior? Or are the parents training the child proper behavior and expecting it to go on in their life? This is fundamental. This is fundamental as fundamental gets. Who's going to lead here? Are the parents going to lead or are the children going to lead the home? I tell you the tragedy of many homes today is that the children are in charge. They eat what they want, when they want it. It doesn't make any difference. What mom made, oh, I don't like it. Perhaps the home should be built upon mom made dinner. It's time to eat. If you don't want to eat what mom made, then you can sit at the table while we all eat. But this is what we're having for dinner tonight because that's what mom made. We're not having Cheerios, because you know, we're not in Frosted Flakes. We're not going to go make another meal. We're certainly not going to go, uh, go buy you something, especially because you didn't like what Mom made. You don't have to eat what Mom made. You can sit here with us, but you're not getting anything else. You say, oh my gosh, how cruel, how tough, how hard. Who's training who? Who is setting the standards of behavior in the home? It's what this passage of Scripture, both of these passages of Scripture, the Proverbs 1 and Ephesians 1, indicate that children are to be led. They are to be taught. They are to be trained. You know, training is an interesting thing. A lot of you guys have athletic backgrounds. You know, the, the funny thing with training is when you get out of shape with, 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 with your body and you try to get back in shape, boy, it can be painful, can it? You know, Chris can be doing this half marathon uh, in March. And, uh, and she started, you know, a couple weeks ago to, to get herself back in shape and all that. And, and, and she said to my son, Ben, you know, because he's, you know, in shape quite a lot with his Ironman stuff and all that. She said, how long does it hurt this bad? And, and, and Ben said, well, Mom, you know, it's probably going to take you about six weeks and it's going to hurt. But, but then it'll, it'll stop hurting because you'll be getting back in shape. You know, sometimes training, uh, you know, it's a little hard. But, you know, you've got to decide who's going to give in here. Is the kid going to win or are you going to win in the sense of who is training who? And this is fundamentals here. We're talking about fundamentals, okay? Fundamental one is children to be highly esteemed. They're to be loved. Number two, children are to be trained by their parents. Number three, this is fundamental. We need a standard. Second Timothy chapter 3. You guys know this one. A lot of you. Probably by memory. 
All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible has the answers, guys, to how to be a good dad. The answers are there. They're available to us, but we're going to have to get serious about saying, I need to base my parenting upon the, the, the principles and ideals of the Scriptures. Now, for those who are not of the Christian persuasion, for them to be all over the place in their parenting is probably understandable. For the people of God to not be taking the Bible seriously about how to raise your children is absolutely ridiculous. Yet, I find it is not uncommon for dads in the church to be a whole lot more concerned about what the newest book or the latest book that they got on Amazon said about parenting than they are about what the Word of God says. Some of which are in direct contradiction to what the Bible teaches about how we should raise our children. You're going to have to make a fundamental... See, this is fundamentals right here. You're going to have to make a fundamental decision. Are you going to raise your children according to the precepts of God, or are you not? Now, that's not to say that reading local books or new books are are a bad thing. Many of them have wonderful insights. And I gave you two books at the beginning of the class session here that I recommend, at least as food for thought. But they are just that. They're food for thought. Proverbs 22.6 is not food for thought. That's the Word of God. Now, we're either going to obey it or not. We're just going to say, are we going to look at the Bible as, as, as wonderful suggestions? Or are we going to look at the Word of God and say, this is how the, the ancient truths of God have always been true. And they will always be true. It doesn't make any difference if we go into this Star Trek world and we're transporting all over the place as opposed to taking an airplane. People are people. And they always will be people. doesn't make any difference, you know, if you have a television in your house or whether you have nine of them. You know, I think back in my life, and I'm probably the oldest person in the room right now, I actually remember a time in my life where we did not have a television. As a matter of fact, I remember a time in our life where we had one phone. We were on what was called a party line. And a party line was basically everybody on the street was on the same phone number. Everybody had the same phone number. And when the phone rang, you'd lift it up. (laughs) And, oh, okay, this is Mrs. Smith. Okay, you hang up. Now you say, wow, that's weird. How could you not have a uh, television? You know what? We did fine without a television. You know, people today, kids today, they say, how could you live without a cell phone? How could you live without the internet? Yeah, isn't it interesting? You know, we we got all the modern things that we have now that perhaps we didn't have in years past, but but people are people. Kids are kids. Marriages are marriages. Sin is sin. (laughs) And so we have to decide, this is fundamental. We need a standard. And I urge you highly, as a dad, to say, I'm going to be a dad based on what the Bible teaches. And to communicate to your wife, 
we're going to be a home that the best of my ability to influence is going to be a family built upon the precepts of God. That doesn't mean I'm perfect, doesn't mean you're perfect, doesn't mean we're always going to be good parents, but we are going to do our dead level best to build it on the principles of God. That's the goal. We may not be perfect in our reaching of the goal, but that is the goal. It is far more important to me than what the Bible says and what Red Book says. It's far more important to me what the Bible says than what Ophir says. It's far more important to me what the Bible says than what any talk show host anywhere says. Or any expert. I want to know what the Bible says. More than I want to know with someone, you know, from a PhD perspective and, and they're an expert. Quote, you know, the, the expert thing is, you got to be really careful with expert. You know, that, that, that's like the marriage counselor that's been married, divorced three times. Well, they're an expert. At what? You know, the, 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 the Giants and the Patriots are playing in, in, the, in the Super Bowl today. You know, I would say, if you want to find out how to get your team to the, to, to the, uh, to the Super Bowl, probably not be talking to the Bears. <laughs> that's true. You know? And I'm a Bear fan. There you go. Okay, but I'm just telling you, if you want to learn how to get there, probably you better talk to someone who has success at it. Yeah. But not someone that's an expert in how to do it wrong. <laughs> If you understand what I'm saying. So these are fundamental things right here, guys. And, and, and everything builds off of them. Children will be highly esteemed. Parents are to mold, train, and teach your children. And we need a standard. Point number two. You have to have a foundation. See, that, that's the whole point of today's class, isn't it? Isn't that what today's class is called, the foundation? You have to have a foundation of consistent habits. In your parenting, in your home, in your relationship with your children. A foundation of consistent habits. These are things, once again, that are not by accident, they're by design. This is how I want it to look in our home. This is, these are consistent habits. And I'm going to give you three habits right here, okay? You with me? Number one, the home should be a spiritual place. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I'm giving you today are to be upon your hearts. Now look at this. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It is inescapable that God's people have always understood that the way that you primarily train your children is the home environment. What happens in the home is the primary place of influence in children's lives from a point of view of spirituality. The concept of Sunday school, kids' kingdom, 
teen ministry. All those things are worthy. They're helpful. They are an additive that, that not having it would perhaps be a negative on your child. But none of those, as important as they are, are the place where your child primarily needs to be influenced spiritually. It should be in the home. Now this is a habit. You want to develop by habit. This is how our home feels. Let me give you some specifics. Family devotionals. Now, what is it? You say, what is a family devotional? A family devotional can be anything uh, 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 from, from uh, soup to nuts in some ways. Let me give you a, 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 just a real broad uh, kind of a family devotional. You, you come in, in, the, in the living room. You all sit down uh, in, in a circle. You, know, you say, well, we only have one child. Well, there's a small circle then. Uh, you say, well, we have two. Then it's a little bigger. Well, we have three. Then it's a little bigger yet. Uh, but you, you sit on, on the floor. You sing a song together. Uh, you talk about, hey, you know, what happened in your life today? And this and that and stuff. You read a passage of Scripture. You pray. And then you get up and you go. How long does the family devotional go? I don't know. It depends on what, how old your children are. Well, what, is their, what is their ability to stay focused? You know, a, a three to five year old kid, really, what do they think? Focus for maybe a minute or two or five at the most. I mean, you know, family devotional is five minutes in. Amen. You're done. You say, well, man, can we get anything done in five minutes? You'd be amazed what you can get done in five minutes. Of, of what that does to your kid uh, spiritually and how it helps them. Because it's the habit of your home. When children are older, oftentimes it's not a family devotional, it's a family dinner. And, and, and when dinner is done, in the sense of we, we finish consuming whatever mom prepared, then we sit there for another five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and we discuss. You say, what do we discuss? I don't know. What, whatever you want to discuss. But it's family devotional. It's family dinner. It's family night. Uh, uh, one night, uh, uh, the boy picks the movie and he wants Star Wars, you know. And, and the next Monday night, the girl picks and she wants, I don't know, Mulan or whatever. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know and, 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 and the girl can't say, well, I don't like Star Wars. You know, hey, you know, Tommy picks Star Wars or so we're all watching Star Wars tonight. Now, Tommy can't say, oh, I don't like Mulan. You know, girl stuff, you know. Uh, and, and, and Dad, you know, Dad can't say, hey, no chick flicks. You know, because, hey, you know, when, when it's mom's choice, you know, mom's sister, we're watching the hell. You know, our, 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 uh, you know, and when it's dad's choice, you know, you have to be some level of sensitive. You know, you can't, you know, uh, you know, uh, watch an inappropriate movie or whatever. But uh, it's the spiritual place. Your children need to see you having a quiet time. Dads, listen to me. Your children need to see you having a quiet time. What's daddy doing? Daddy's having his quiet time. He said, now wait a minute, Marty, I thought we weren't supposed to do our deeds in front of men so they can see our good deeds. That's not what Jesus is talking about there, guys. That's not what Jesus is talking about. I'm saying your children need to see you reading the Bible. What is Daddy doing? He's reading the Bible. What is Daddy doing? He's praying. They need to see you have your quiet time. Daddy's doing this. They need to uh, uh, see you praying. There needs to be bedtime prayers. There needs to be prayers before meals. 
Prayer needs to be something that you understand. What do we do before we eat? We pray. What do we do when we go to bed? We pray. It isn't mom's uh, duty to put the kids to bed all the time. Sometimes it's daddy's duty. And, and it's, just, it's, the, it's the home, guys. It, it, it's what they see in the home. Your spirituality. Uh, who's daddy with? Oh, daddy's with his discipleship partner. They went out to get a coffee. Oh. You think that doesn't affect the kid? Where's dad? Where's mom? My mom's having a cycling time with her discipleship partner. They went to go get a coffee. It's just, you just let them know. This is part of the spirituality of the home. We go to church on Sunday. We go to church on Wednesday sometimes. We have other spiritual activities. They need to know those things are going on. These are the habits of the Christian home. These are the habits of the godly home. The children are being raised, and they value these things. They understand these things. Oh, okay, well, we're having a prayer. Okay, uh, one day, one night, Daddy prays for the meal. The next night, Mommy prays for the meal. The next night, Junior prays for the meal. You know how they're going to pray? They're going to pray almost exactly the way you do. They're going to use the same wordage that you do. They're going to say it the way you say it. Why? Because they learned to pray by listening to you pray. It's the habit. You following me? It's the foundation now of consistent habits. I'm not saying anybody's perfect. You know, you have to have a quiet time every single day. Yeah, ideally, daily, yeah, but you know, if you miss a quiet time, don't, you know, don't overreact. I'm just saying, though, if they never see you have a quiet time, what, what does that teach them? Consistent habits. The home should be a spiritual place. Number two, the consistent habit of valuing character over performance. You value character over performance. This is more a little bit along the lines, not you, those of you who have children that are just really young, you know, two or three or four, uh, it, it, that probably is not a big deal with, with your parenting. I'm talking about kids that are now coming into the age of, of, of uh, athletic performance, academic performance, uh, mm-hmm. and, and those kind of things. Um, uh, it is far more important, the character-related uh, issues, than the performance-related issues. It's far more important that your children learn uh, to be a good student, which means to get along with their, their, their teachers and to get along with their other students in the classroom, than whether they make an A. Now, I know for some of you, you're academic people, and you shivered right there when I said that. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no! If they don't do good in grade school, they won't go to good in junior high. If they don't do good in junior high, they won't get in, in, in high school. They won't be in the AP courses, and they won't get into... USC. Oh, they won't get into Stanford. Oh, they won't get into Harvard. Oh, they won't get into UCLA. It is far, far, far more important that your children develop a proper character than where they go to school. Whether that's a private high school that you can only get into or an, or, or an elite academic school. And some of you, I beg you to listen to me here. You went to those schools. And so when you, and they've indoctrinated you. And you think 
You can't be a success unless you go to Stanford or UCLA or USC or Harvard or some other academic institution that you think is of some great value. Character is far more important than academic or athletic performance. It's better that your kid learn that because they started the soccer season, they're going to end the soccer season even though they're not in the starting group because you, you finish what you start in this family. It's far more important that they learn the character lesson that their coach is a jerk, but you treat him with respect because he's your coach. Not because he teaches you or treats you right or treats you wrong. Character is more important than academic or athletic or music or any other thing performance. It's what you value. And I don't want to share you tons of stories about my background, but I've, one I've got to share here that I, I think you understand what I'm saying. My dad was a, he was a, a school principal. He was an academic person. He's also a coach, so both sides were represented there. But when I was in grade school coming home, and you guys know this to be true even today, the way they do it, on one side of the grade card, you've got your grades. What grade? you got A, B, C, D, E, F, or whatever, uh, you know, uh, on one side. The other side are more issues of, you know, are you getting along with the other students? Are you working hard? They're more the character things. When I brought my report card home, I tell you where we started. We started on that side of the report card. Purposefully. He was way more important of whether I was obeying the teacher and getting along and working hard and the, and, the, and the grades or performance notes that I got on that side of the report card than he was on the other side. Now, it wasn't to say the other side wasn't important. He expected me to do my business and do it well. But it's what you value. What did I learn from that? What am I telling you all these years later? Character is more important their performance. This is a habit. It's a habit. It's what you value. It's what you care about. Character is more important than performance. And you've got to keep that in mind. Now, hey, I hope all your kids go to the best schools, guys. I'm not trying to say you shouldn't want your kids to perform well and, 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 and all that. But I'm saying it, it's in your mind. And some of you, you, get par- uh, you have parental pressure from your parents. That they're pushing you about their grandkids, your kids, about where they're going to go to school. And, you know, at some point, you just got to say, you know, Mom, I love you, but out. <laughs> this is my business, not yours. And you know what? Your mother may not like that. And you know what you say? Noted. These are my children. They're not yours. And so you say, well, my mom and dad are, and my mom and dad are going to pay for it. Well, you know what? Are you bought and sold that cheap? Is it, really, that's what it's about? Who's going to pay for the college education? Okay. Really? You're going to sacrifice character so you can get your kids uh, school paid for? Really? Come on, guys. Come on. You've got to decide what you value. And you've got to value character over performance. And that's not to say performance isn't important. But far more. Far more important to emphasize character than performance. Now, number three, last thing here of spiritual consistent habits is the extended family concept. 
I can't tell you how helpful it was with my kids to have help from other Christians that were their uncles, their, their aunts, their older brothers, their older sisters. You need other people involved with your kids. For many of your kids, and I I realize this in in a a spiritual responsibility way, I'm like a grandfather to a lot of your kids. I understand that. And I take that responsibility seriously. When I greet them, I don't know if you pay attention, but I get down on the floor on my knees, I hug them. Why? Because that's Granddaddy Marty. That's the extended family concept that the church gives. Your children don't just have mom and dad. They have uncle. They have aunt. They have older brother. They have older sister. They want to grow up and be like her. They want to grow up and be like him. You understand what I'm saying? It's the extended family. You know, a few years ago, you know, uh, Clinton, what's her name? Uh, Hillary Clinton said, it takes a village to raise a family. Amen. I'm glad she came up with that. I think the Bible was on top of that concept a long time before she got it. Yeah. And that's, that's why Paul says in Romans 16, he says, Ruth is his mother, she's been like a mother to me. You've you got people in your life spiritually, they're like mothers to you. They're like fathers to you. They're like uncles to you and aunts to you. It, this is, this is it, it's, a, it's a, a consistent habit that you build into your children of how much you value other relationships and they, they value them as well. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We've got ten minutes. I want you to circle up just in a group. And I've got your four, four leaders, uh, 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 Tony, uh, Caesar, uh, Chris, and, and Dave. And, and uh, Tony, why don't you stay here? Chris, you stay here. Dave, why don't you go sort of back over there? And Caesar, why don't you go back over there? And just circle up. Okay? And in your group, just say, hey, I learned this today. This is what I got. And you got ten minutes, okay? Because we're going to be done at one o'clock.